Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Thursday, January 28, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are going to be reading page 568, that first beginning with the first paragraph. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Christine M., The Twelve Traditions, Naomi B., and reading the literature for today are Chelsea H., Kathy K., and Naomi B. The share ID number for yesterday, 8412, and our newcomer greeter for today is Hoodie R. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eat overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 steps. Yes, hi everyone. This is Christine M., recovered, grateful recovered, compulsive overeater from Missouri. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol. Uh, I'm sorry. Admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Christine M. I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. 
the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to never be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book. On page 568, we'll begin with the first paragraph that begins with, Most of us think this awareness. And we will be reading four paragraphs and commenting on all four paragraphs. I will now ask Chelsea H. to begin reading. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, Santa, and thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive eater just for today. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. 
Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Okay, still Chelsea. Grateful to be here on the line this morning. So this information here for me um, was critical because I have the issue of being a real compulsive overeater and a drunk and um, a mind that keeps telling me it's okay to engage in that behavior. And the only thing that could relieve me of this bondage is a spiritual experience. And it said in the uh, reading which brought us to this appendix that the great fact for us was that we needed a deep and effective spiritual experience and that it would revolutionize my entire attitude towards life. So I had a problem living, and these steps have the power to allow me to live in this world and to live in it on its terms and to accept that whatever's going on is supposed to be happening, Chelsea doesn't get to manage it. I don't get to wrest satisfaction out of this world if only people would do what I say. And it's telling me here also, too, that the issue that I need to look at is that I have been either belligerent or intolerant to the point to where I'm so stubborn I can't even get anything out of the steps. So once I give into this uh, program, follow the suggestions, that are outlined and in the order they're in, then someone will serve as a guide for me. They will light the path that they walk. In the light of their experience, I will be able to recover because I will walk that path. I will have an experience of my own, and I will develop a relationship with the power greater than myself, and then I'll be able to live in this world and turn to that power when things get tough instead of turning to food. And the requirements that are essential, that I cannot do without, are willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. And I shared this yesterday, too, that for me that spells who, not how, and that is the power. That's the power greater than me. And then I will be able to be aware and awake to that power, and then I won't um, give in anymore to the food because I will then now have something else that's much greater than me, much greater than the food, and it will connect me to those spiritual energy that I need to live in this world sane. So I'm really grateful to learn today that this was erroneous, that I did not have to have that experience like Bill had. I did not have to believe in anything or not believe in anything, and that I could say with all um, trueness and all realness and connectivity that, Today, for me, the great fact is, is that the consciousness of my higher power, whom I choose not to call God, is in my life today. 
And I serve as a channel now, a lantern, to light the path for others so that they too can find their own higher power and have a relationship with that and one day at a time live happy, joyous, and free. With that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on these four Carol R. Rachel W. Tina S. Larry. Um, unfortunately, I only got four names, and I know I got them out of order, and this is who I have. I heard Nessa R., Ronnie P., Tina S., and Larry K. Katie G. from Boston. Cheryl Katie. R. Okay, we'll we'll go with this list right here. Thank you all. And this is who I have. I have Nessa R, Ronnie P, Larry K, Katie G, Cheryl R, and Melissa C. Okay, Melissa R, get us started. Good morning, Nessa R. Hi, Santa. It's Nessa R. Uh, did you call on me? Yes, I did. Oh, great. Sorry, I was unmuted. Hi, it's so nice to uh, to hear your voice. It's so nice to be live on the line again. It's uh, Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness um, are three essentials that um, I cannot get from anybody and I cannot give anybody. Are um, essentials that are a one-person job. Um, you know, when I when I talk to my sponsor, I want to do what she does because I want to get what she has. Um, but I gotta be willing, honest, and open-minded um, in order to receive the message. She cannot make me do what she does the same way that I cannot make my sponsors do what I do or what I tell them I do, um, you know, they, uh, it, it's a one-person it's a one job. Um, sponsors often come to me and say, I need to be accountable. You know, I need to know what you expect from me. Um, and I, I tell them often, um, I'm not a policeman. You know, I'm not going to run after you uh, to find out how many meetings you went to, how many people you talked to, have you done your step four? Have you done your reading? That's not my job. My job is um, to be a role model, to take my sponsors through the big book. But the willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness um, is up to them. I cannot care more about their recovery than they do. And to me, this is, this is why this is essential. Until I wanted that enough to be... Um, rigorously honest about my food, about my behaviors, about anything else, uh, and open-minded to accept this message, which is, you know, I would say pretty unconventional, and sometimes it's even, you know, counterintuitive, you know, when we think that we should be trying to do something, and instead the book tells us to, you know, relax and take it easy, don't struggle, you know, some of these things are counterintuitive, so I have to be open-minded, but I cannot get this from somebody else, and I cannot give it to somebody else. You know, it's not, they're not contagious. Um, we got to get to a point where we want it badly enough. 
and with that I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Nessa R. And just a gentle reminder, if you're not speaking, please um, mute your line so that we can have a clear line. Um, and next we'll have Ronnie P. Good morning, Ronnie. Oh, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, this is Ronnie P., um, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, the line that jumped out, and it just refers to the entire reading, is, you know, contempt prior to investigation. And when I think about that, I realize that what is that contempt about? It's about fear. It's about fear of being wrong, about being laughed at, about not being queen of the hill. So it's about ego. So contempt prior to investigation is where my, is where my ego is really pulling the strings. Um, it's about my unwillingness to be vulnerable. So vulnerable means I don't know everything, and I, that makes me vulnerable to other people's judgments, um, to my own judgments. Um, but what's that all about except the fear that I am entirely alone in this world, and I, it is all on me. And when there's that much pressure, you can bet I'll have a lot of contempt before investigation because so much is at stake. And what's at stake in my addicted brain is my very... Uh, my very existence, um, my very uh, worthiness of being here. And what is so beautiful about this program is that I have, I'm just learning, and it's unpeeling every day, that why well, just have to surrender all of it to something bigger? And that includes my own contempt about <laughs> something bigger, you know? I think, well, what does God know? You know, what if God has something in for me that I don't want? You know, and so I begin with an assumption that I know what God wants for me, and then I act against it just so I can show, show whatever that I'm in charge. It, it's all ego. It's raging ego. And um, when I'm abstinent, I have an awareness of that, and I think that is the best I can hope for. And the best meaning, it's really good enough to know that sometimes I can think I'm being honest, and I'm really not because I'm so. I might be so uninformed about something that what I truly believe is true really isn't. But when I stay abstinent and open um, and surrendered and when I keep working with others, the revelations come one after another. I keep learning everything I don't know. And what I find out calls upon me to be brave and to be um, willing, um, to have a sense of humor <clears throat> about uh, my own limitations so that I they are, <clears throat> excuse me, they are freed from shame, which will keep me in contempt and dishonesty and all of that. So, um, you know, to newcomers on the line, I would say um, just hang in there. This is a step-by-step -step journey. We never get there. There's a myth that in recovery we are going to get there, but that is a really uh, dangerous place to be because if we think that we've gotten there, then we think we've got no much, we don't have anything else to learn. There's no more reason to surrender. Um, but living in surrender is just so much better and so much more fun and so much more joyous and just makes really, really good use of these years we have uh, on the planet. And it all begins with being willing to put down the food, open ourselves up so that we can thank move into Thank you very much. Thanks. And thank you, Ronnie P. And good morning, Tina S. Thanks for your service. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. Wow, some good stuff. And, you know, what really caught me this morning was that uh, any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. 
You know, and then it says, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. And it doesn't tell me I have to believe anything, you know. And when I got here, I thought that that's what it said. But it told me not to close my mind. And, you know, I come in thinking, you know, I was raised Catholic. I believe in God. I wasn't practicing by any means. And I certainly didn't believe that God was working in my life. But, you know, I had all these ideas of my own, which is my problem. And, uh, you know, and it says it can only be defeated by attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. You know, for for a long time, and you know, and I hope other people don't have to do this for as long as I did. You know, I was intolerant and belligerent. You know, and um, I didn't have to do this because I wasn't that. You know, that didn't work for me, so I wasn't doing this. And you know, when I finally got to a place of being willing, honest, and open-minded, and that's what they said. You know, and mind are the essentials of recovery. They are indispensable, absolutely necessary. You know, and uh, when I be, when I got to that place, and I was willing to do something different, and I'd listen to some suggestions, and practice these principles, and take these steps, you know, not in my mind, but in my actions, something happened, you know. And today, beyond my wildest dreams, I live a life that is fabulous. You know, one day at a time. You know, and it doesn't mean that I don't have issues. I got issues. I deal with them today. That's the difference. And I'm just so grateful to be on the line and grateful that everybody's sharing here. It's a fabulous meeting. I, I say it all the time, but it's absolutely the truth. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Tina S. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. This is Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So I, I, I'll just, uh, you know, zero in on, on, on Herbert Spencer's comment here. You know, there's a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. I had great contempt uh, for, not so much for the, for the program of OA, but that I had great contempt uh, because this hadn't happened for me yet. See, I, I, couldn't, I, I, could, I could stop and I could put the food down. I just couldn't stay stopped. And I thought that there was something wrong with the information I was receiving, and perhaps there was, uh, because I wasn't hearing that it would be, in fact, you know, the essential essentials of recovery, you know, open openness, honesty, honesty, and willingness. That you know, through these steps, that something would happen. There would be a process of change, and uh, through that process of change, uh, a number of things would happen to me. Um, one of which would be that that obsession would finally be lifted. And, you know, Herbert Spencer, he, he was uh, learned a little bit about him. He was this English philosopher, and, and, and he wrote actually about evolution before Darwin did. Um, he came up with the expression survival of the fittest, which is interesting because he was an agnostic, but he wasn't interested in undermining religion in any, in any way, shape, or form. You know, he, in fact, what I learned is that he thought that religion and science could be blended together and they could agree in, in the truth, you know, some sort of, you know, relative truth of human understanding that there, there is a power outside of ourselves. He just, did, you know, wasn't interested in defining that power because all we could come up with as human beings would be a relative truth. And that was very much the case for me with this, with this program. I can't explain to you why it works, why this is a design for living that, that really works for me. I can't tell you why that is. But I can tell you that indeed, you know, once I embarked on this practical program of action, you know, once I, 
uh, I just did the work and trusted in the process, trusted in the process that, you know, that, that actually that I did change and, and, and change in such a profound way that it could not have happened through my own thinking in my own mind that I did not effectuate this, this change and bring it about that, uh, that it was a power outside of myself, something perhaps greater than myself. And it was only through these steps that that would happen. It's an action program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning to you, Katie G. Hey, Santa. It's Katie G. Can you hear me? I sure can. Awesome. Hang on. Let me just set my timer and walk away from this big, ugly truck. KDG recovered some hope over ear anorexic and bulimic. And a um, couple things I wanted to talk about in my three minutes. Um, contempt prior to investigation, what does that mean? It means disdain, scoff, resentment. It means that um, I'm the I know guy, right? Like you make a suggestion. And while you're making the suggestion, I'm thinking of all the reasons it's not going to work. And I'm, you know, I'm in relapse. And I'm like, no, no way. I'm different. I'm unique. I can't do this. Um, and, you know, for me today, it means practicing a willingness to bear discomfort and to ask myself daily, where am I willing to question why I'm questioning, you know, other people's suggestions? Am I willing to take a suggestion that makes me uncomfortable? Am I willing to say that I don't know? I don't know how things are going to be. I don't know how you're supposed to act. I don't know how this is supposed to turn out, and that scares me. I'm KDG from Boston. I'm the great I am. Don't you know? And letting that go is the most amazing gift in the whole world. And, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I don't know if God exists, and I, I can't have this. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you what. Before I went through the steps, and I've been through the steps several times, all I knew is that what I was doing was not working. There was something totally broken with what I was doing, and I couldn't trust me. And so when I came to my sponsor, I was kicked. I was like, you, whatever. Like, I remember crying and her asking me a question, being like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like, I, you, I need major direction here. And, um, you know, when I start speaking negatively about people, places, and things, I am back in that position of contempt, and I am back in that position where I'm unteachable. And please, God, help me not be unteachable today because I'll tell you, you know, coming into the program and knowing that what I was doing wasn't working was enough to effectuate change in my life that I can't doubt the presence of God. I can't not talk about the presence of God. I cannot sing. I cannot get through a day without singing the praises of something that is so much bigger than me that is that, you know, my death has been interrupted multiple times. And um, I'll just close with, <clears throat> I've heard about consciousness described as like not consciousness is I know that there are cops all around the city that I'm in, right? Consciousness is when the cop is pulling me over, his lights are flashing, and I'm aware. And thank you, God, today, guys, most of the time, I've got that cop behind me and the lights are on and I'm talking to God. And when I'm blocked, because that happens throughout my day, right, I'm like a toilet. You flush me down, clean me out, and I fill back up with self. Um, then I'm able to um, do a turnaround and get reconnected and pray God remove my contempt. 
and uh, so grateful to be doing it with you guys today and with other tests. And thank you, Katie G. And good morning, Cheryl R. Good morning. Thank you, Sasha, for your, your um, service. Uh, Cheryl R. calling in from Virginia. And I tell you, it was particularly um, uh, vital for me to um, share today on this uh, this uh, passage on contempt prior to investigation. Um, I've been in program since 1985. I attended a few meetings before that, but was one of those who were in and out, you know, three laps back and forth. And it was uh, over 20 years ago that I started work on an artistic project quoting this page, quoting this thing, because when I first heard about it when I lived in Los Angeles years ago, contempt prior to investigation, it reminded me of so many things in the outside world and, and things particularly in my upbringing and background and worldview uh, that it just really struck me. But it wasn't really until recent months, and certainly with Vision for You, that I really got the idea of, of um, how having been a bleeding elder at different times, it, it kept me from true recovery, which is why I realized I hadn't gone far enough, and it was begun because of my own contempt prior to investigation. And the crazy thing is, um, in the last few months, particularly since the um, convention that Vision for You had, you know, the weight has just been falling off of me with absolutely no effort on my part. And um, it's, it's really been miraculous. But I will say, too, that it's, you know, in a, uh, not only the food, but the honestly facing my, my problem, honestly um, looking at attitudes of intolerance or belligerent denial. And so I will just close with one ironic note. I mentioned I was doing an artistic project based on this and, and the Herbert Spencer quote and everything. And I was referring to a character who quotes this, this page, and, um, and it had been written down as page 569. And so I was going, oh, no, we have the wrong page and all this and that, until upon further investigation, I realized that when I started this, over 20 years ago, it was page 569, because it was the third edition. And that's then the character um, was around at that point. And so anyway, there I was, you know, hoist upon my own petard again, going, yep, that, that, that was correct. You know, although I'm sure, you know, people would see this and then say, oh, but it isn't 569, it's 568, because I've always been a member of the debating society. And, um, and so now this page tells me to pause, you know, even though it says it elsewhere in the book of pause when agitated or doubtful, but to look at that contempt and simply ask uh, my higher power, which I choose to call God, uh, will. And uh, it leads me to my willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness and a peacefulness that I've never known before. Thank you for letting me share. Everybody have a blessed day. And thank you, Cheryl R., and good morning, Melissa C., and you will be our last share on this paragraph before moving on to the next paragraph. Hi, good morning, Santa. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and, um, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of things, but that contempt prior to investigation um, really described me, you know, and, and I guess so many of us, that's why it's there, you know, that... um. Every time I came back in, because um, I was a, uh, I would come in and leave and come in and leave, or or come in and do some of the program, but not all of it. 
there was a lot of contempt. You know, I had a lot of decisions that I had already made prior to investigating. And, you know, a lot of it was, um, it was my ego. It was thinking that I was somehow different above um, or even less than, and that this God thing that people spoke of, this higher power thing, um, maybe applied for other people, but not me. You know, I was somehow different and um, special. And, um, and that, you know, I kind of would roll my eyes at God, like that, like as if God was for stupid people, you know, and I was far more intelligent than that. And, um, you know, and then the willingness, you know, so how did I go from contempt to willing, open-minded, and honest? Um, you know, God bless pain, because I think that willingness, is, for me, has been born um, from incredible pain and desperation, and then seeing others who have recovered, hearing others who have recovered, that for me um, is the key to willingness. Because willingness has been very elusive. It it seems to come and go for people, um, including myself. Sometimes, you know, there's been times when I was willing and times that I wasn't willing. And what has ultimately really grown my willingness was the pain got too much for me to do on my own and people were talking about being recovered. And um, I had to listen. You know, I had to listen to that. And so when I work with other people, um, other sponsees and sponsees that are sponsoring people, you know, when someone isn't willing, um, I have to wish them lots of love and allow the disease to do the convincing and then continue to live my recovered life because um, hopefully that helps somebody grow in their willingness. And uh, thank you with that on hand. And thank you, Melissa C. And now we're going to resume our study back on to page 25. And I'm now going to ask if Kathy Kay will begin reading that last paragraph that begins with, if you are a serious alcoholic, one paragraph only, please. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Santa. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Thanks. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. And this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. This is um, chock full of stuff, and I want to just say a couple of things. Um, let me see. I want to also get my timer going here. Okay. Um the middle there is no middle of the road solution well you know for 20 years almost i was trying to follow a middle of the road solution and uh that meant doing what i wanted that was suggested to me and letting go of the rest that i didn't want um it was definitely what's later referred to uh as um uh, half measures, half measures avail us nothing. 
And, you know, for so many years, I just did not have the willingness or the honesty um, or the openness to really dig into these steps as they're laid out in the big book. I was willing to read them. I was willing to talk about them. But I was not really willing to take the action, which is implied in steps um, four through nine, and then, of course, again in 10 through 12. Um, I also, because of my life story, uh, I was not convinced that the alternative of taking what I want and leaving the rest um, was going to lead me uh, to death or to an intolerable situation um, because I would get respites of recovery, or so I thought what they were were really respites from compulsive overeating, but I still had so many emotional and spiritual defects that were preventing me from living a calm, peaceful, and loving existence. The problem I had and the problem that we all have is that we have to make a choice to accept spiritual help. And for someone like me who was agnostic for 40-some-odd years, it just seemed like an impossible request um, for me to accept spiritual help. But I'm here to say that um, as I prayed, not knowing who I or what I was praying to, I did develop a certain willingness, a certain openness, and certainly increasing honesty as I worked with a sponsor and was finally able, um, little by little and very gradually, accept spiritual help. And today, when I pause and when I listen, I am actually in the process of following a spiritual path. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on that paragraph? Reva P. Amy G. Rachel W. Kim G. Renata. Reva P. This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, this is who I heard, and this is what I'm going to go with. And if we have time for more, we will certainly do that. I did hear Vasa O. I heard Bella G. I heard um, Reva, and I heard Amy G. I heard Rachel G. And I heard Renata. And we'll be, we'll begin with that. And I apologize to anybody I didn't get. Vasa O. Good morning to you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Santa, for your service. And I am a grateful recovered compulsive reader. I'm Vasa O. Recovered compulsive reader, calling from Florida. You know, pain was my motivator, and I was ready to take the action. It wasn't working what I was doing. And uh, I remember, like, going on a road and coming, walking on a straight road, and I remember coming to a fork, like coming to a fork, imagining I'm going to a, coming to a fork. And I remember saying, you know, do I go this way or go the other way? And the way I was going, it was not working. So I remember taking 
the fork and going the way the the the, the way I heard the suggestions in the big book. And again, I was just I was. It says here, if you are a serious alcoholic, as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. And uh, I just was so willing, you know, and I was so ready to do whatever it took. So I remember hearing willingness, honesty, and open-minded. And honesty, it started with my food. You know, when I became abstinent, and I remember, you know, saying, you know, my sponsor cannot be here all day long watching me, what I was going to put in my mouth. She cannot be a policewoman, you know. And it was like this realization. And I cannot be, you know, my sponsors watching them, what they're doing. I needed to take responsibilities, you know, for myself, what I was doing. And, uh, I, again, I, I needed to, my sponsor said, you need to accept a spiritual help. I remember saying, and I will, I will, I will do whatever, whatever it takes. I just don't want to die. And I did surrender, you know, after I did my first three steps. And I remember, you know, I can't, he can, I will let him. I did not want to die. And I did surrender, you know. I did the first three steps. And I said, oh, now they are asking me to do the fourth step, you know, doing, starting to do my writing. I said, these people are asking too much for me. Wasn't that enough for me that, that I put the food down? And I kept on hearing, yes, we have to do the steps. They were laid out the way they laid out. Otherwise, I'd go back into the food addiction. So I was willing and I was ready, even though if it didn't feel comfortable for me to do the things they asked me to do, I did it anyways. And I'm still doing it. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, good morning, Bella G. Thank you. Excuse me. Good morning. Excuse me. Could Bella G please lower her volume and lower her voice? Thank you. Okay. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Santa, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line, to accept spiritual help. Wow. This is the freedom. And this is my peaceful. Before program, yes, I grew up in a religious family, and yes, I had God in my life, but I believe that God is in charge of the entire world, and I have the power and to be in charge of my own life, special in my overweight. And I believe that I have control. I didn't want God's help. Because for me, God was a punishing God. For me, God was something that is punishing me all the time when I am doing mistakes. And for me, mistake means I don't listen to other people. I don't listen to other smart people. I am doing again and again mistakes. I didn't want God's help. I wanted my own help. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program and I am doing the 12 steps. And, yes, as I was doing my step work, I started to build a wonderful, wonderful relationship with my higher power that I call him God. And today God is 
a loving power, an accepting power. And today, yes, I am looking for God's help because, yes, I know I am human and I am limited and I don't know everything and I can't do everything all by myself. Today, I believe that, yes, I want God's help because, you know, I I am, you know, I will do mistakes and I am doing mistakes and it means that I am human and I have all the time opportunities to learn new things, to learn from other people. And yes, today I am honest that today I am, it's such a freedom that I am connected to a loving, accepting power and not to my power of my ego. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. And good morning to Reba P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Um, I wanted to share on the phrase intolerable situation um, and remind myself that intolerable is not just when I'm in the food. Intolerable is when I'm in the restless, irritable discontent because I'm a dry drunk and that um, neither of those options, uh, being in the food or being a dry drunk, um, is a happy place for me. And um, again, the reminder that I only have two choices, either um, God is or he isn't, either I do the work um, or I go backwards. I don't think there's any um, stagnating for me anymore in this program. So I either move forward and grow in my spiritual development as a result of working these steps as outlined in the book, um, or I go back to where I was. And I love the end in the last sentence. I do this because I honestly want to, and I'm willing to make the effort, which reminds me I have to do it. I can't just talk about it. I can't just know about it. I have to take the action. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. And good morning, Amy G. Good morning, Santa. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, for those of you who know me, I probably understand I'm doing whatever I can to sneak in a few comments in here. This is one of my absolute favorite paragraphs in the big book. And I know that there are many on this line who have experienced this middle of the road, my recovered friends. We all come to this point at some point where we have but two alternatives. And I am going to drill down on this intolerable situation as best we could. At the bottom of my big book, I wrote down here, I couldn't even blot it out anymore. It was so bad. That was my experience exactly. When it came to those last five years relapsing in and out of Overeaters Anonymous, the torture of that relapse, of understanding my powerlessness, but then relapsing over and over again, trying to work it my way, and and understanding that there was just no way I could get out. I came to this middle-of-the-road situation, and every time I relapsed, I tried to binge that much harder, binge that much longer, puke that much more to try to get back to that numbness that I thought I had in the beginning. It talks about it exactly in the beginning uh, paragraphs of the vision for you. You know, for me, eating meant release from care, burden, burden, 
boredom and worry. But not so with me in those last days of heavy eating. And I'm going to put myself in the first person here. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could I recapture the great moments of the past. There was the insistent yearning to enjoy life as I once did and my heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable me to do it. There was always one more of my failed attempts and one more failure. And back to the food I would go. And then I would join in and take a ride with the four terrible horsemen of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair that they talk about further down in that page. And I wanted to die. And for those of us who have recovered on the line, we understand what it is to get to that point. I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but for me, it is a do-or-die situation. I stood at the turning point. It talks about that and how, how it works. Half measures availed us nothing. We stand at the turning point. And at some point, we will all get there, and we all do, and we have to make a decision. We have to choose to surrender to this program. If I had thought there was any middle of the road, I would have taken it. That's why there had to be, it had to be that black and white for me. And I remember my sponsor saying to me, don't think about it too much. If you are who you say you are, then go ahead, dive into the program. When has your thinking got you anything but back into the food? And I had to concede that was absolutely the case. I don't think my way into recovery. I act my way into recovery. And it has to be with 100% an absolute surrender. You know, if I sit in front of a, or stand in front of a soda machine and it costs a dollar, I can put five cents in, 10 cents in, 99 cents in. But it's only until I put a hundred, I mean a dollar in that entire amount that I am going to get that soda. And that's what it was for me for program. I had to trust those who had gone before, trust those who had recovered, work the steps, and most importantly, I had to act as if. I had to act my way into a new way of thinking. My thinking was not going to get me there. It was my action. And I had to be at that middle of the road or at that turning point and give. I had to give up. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And now we'll have Rachel W. Good morning, Santa. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay, great. I'm, I just have a little bit of a cold here, so I'm doing my best. Um, Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsory Rita Colleagues from New York. It's great to hear you on the line, Santa. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. And, and, and talking about this idea of accepting spiritual help, you know, um, just last night I had a discussion with someone. It's like it's one of my favorite conversations, and it's someone who's in relapse, because um, I've been there before. And um, she's sharing her experience with me, and I asked her a question. I said, you know, at, at any point do you ever feel like, um, going back and, and having the program you had before, like you just you feel like just you know going back and having what you had, and um, and um, and and they always say yes. Anyone I speak to about this says yes. And my experience was I spend a lot of time in relapse, dreaming of the days of, of the recovery I had. Not really the recovery, I'd say the abstinence that I had and the and the weight loss that I had. That's what I really wanted. But um, and and the prestige, you know. <clears throat> the validation and all that. But um, why can't I get that back? You know, it's always a backward, backward look. And, and coming out of my own relapse this last time, and, and, you know, I learned so much that, thank God, I can give over. I love Chelsea's example of the lantern. That's even my email icon. And, and, and I, I love the, the analogy of that. 
that it is like a lantern lighting the way from others, uh, others have lit the way for me. And, um, and what I learned is that this idea, <clears throat> it's really not even about the food, it's, it's that the universe wants me to expand, not physically, but the universe is, is, is calling me. It's sending me all these messages, and I'm refusing to look at anything. I'm refusing to learn. I'm refusing to, to be open to anything. And, and instead, I have the personality of an addict. What is that? So Therefore, I'll be in the food. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll, therefore I'll, I'll pick up the food because it's not going my way. It's not going the way that I understand is contempt before investigation, and therefore I'm going to um, binge or go into any other addiction because I'm not going to learn. And coming into this program, coming out back after the relapse, I realized that, you know, the universe is calling upon me. My soul, my spirit needs to evolve. It wants to evolve, and I'm not letting it. And coming into this program... With using the steps, I'm, I was able to come to a place of understanding that I do need that spiritual help, and thank God there are other people that have done this before me, that I don't have to do this alone. And the spiritual help that I, I have, how I use it today is, my sponsor will ask me, you know, what step are you in right now? And I, I recently had an issue I would not let go of, and I, and I said, step three, I'm totally unwilling to let go of my own concept. And I had to go back into my step two, because any time... I mean, I still have that contempt sometimes. You know, this is this this experience that we're talking about. I think very often it sounds like we're you know we might be finished with it, but we're not. You know, it's it's not a it's not a um it's not a, that we're ever finished. So I just wanted to 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 share that and just to say that it's a continuous experience and it's a miraculous experience. And I'm really grateful to be here. And um, thank you so much. Have a great day. And thank you, Rachel W. And our last year for today will be by Renata G. Good morning, Renata. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we are, were, and I love this part of the book, too, you know, like I was, um, you know, if you're anything like me, you know, I could not stopped eating once I started because of the allergy of the body and I couldn't stop stop from starting because of the mental obsession. I felt hopeless. I couldn't find a permanent solution, you know, no matter what I tried. My life was manageable, even though I didn't want to admit that. And, you know, I felt unhappy. I felt useless. I was ruled by fear, by guilt, by resentment. And so, you know, if you identify in if you have tried all kinds of human power, you know, human aid against this disease and have not experienced complete freedom, you know, maybe you're some, you know, maybe you're like me, maybe you're like the 100 people that wrote this book, that the case is that only, you know, a power greater than, than myself could bring me the solution, could, could restore me to sanity. You know, my only hope was to be willing to believe that a higher power could restore me to sanity, you know, could enable me to live life happily and absently because whatever I've tried did not work. And so, you know, I came to this place, right? I had to make the decision. Well, was I going to choose disease, the food, you know, the bitter end, like it says in the book, or was I going to choose the steps, the recovery, higher power, complete freedom, you know, and then when I look at it like that, that I only had two choices, 
it was a no-brainer, you know. So I accepted spiritual help because I honestly wanted to. You know, I really wanted to stop eating compulsively when I made that choice. And, you know, I wanted to be free once and for all. And only then, you know, then I stopped arguing, debating, questioning, manipulating, and I finally surrendered to the 12-step process. It took a lot of effort and willingness, but when I thought of the other choice that I had, you know, then I had to keep going. I had to keep going. So it was very important for me to learn that I only had two choices. There's no third door, you know, and it worked. Today I experienced complete freedom, and I still only have the same two choices. I either live in 10, 11, and 12, or relapse. It's my choice. And so just to wrap up, you know, also on page 44, it mentions to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on spiritual basis. So, you know, again, they're referring to the same choices. And, you know, this disease took more than 30 years of my life, and that's enough. I won't give it one more minute. And so, you know, what's your choice going to be today? With that, I pass. And thank you, Renata G. And thank you to everyone who shared today. And if you didn't get an opportunity to share this morning, please join us for the second hour of unrecorded hour study. We want to hear what you have to say following the closing of this meeting. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Naomi B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only, please. Thank you, Shanta. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Our Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship in him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact of us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.